The French Revolution, A History, by Thomas Carlyle, Volume 3, The Guillotine, Book 7, Von Damier, Chapter 5, Lion Sprawling Its Last. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain, read by Peter Dan. Book 7, Chapter 5, Lion Sprawling Its Last. Representative Carrier went to the guillotine in December last, protesting that he acted by orders. The Revolutionary Tribunal, after all it has devoured, has now only, as anarchic things do, to devour itself. In the early days of May, men see a remarkable thing. Fouquier Tanville pleading at the bar once his own. He and his chief juryman, Loire, August 10th, juryman Villat, a batch of sixteen, pleading hard, protesting that they acted by orders but pleading in vain. Thus men break the axe with which they have done hateful things, the axe itself having grown hateful. For the rest, Fouquier died hard enough. Where are thy batches? howled the people. Hungry can I, asked Fouquier. Is thy bread cheaper, wanting them? Remarkable Fouquier, once but as other attorneys and law beagles which hunt ravenous on this earth, a well-known faces of human nature, and now thou art and remainest the most remarkable attorney that ever lived and hunted in the upper air. For in this terrestrial course of time there was to be an avatar of attorneyism, the heavens had said, let there be an incarnation, not divine, of the venetry attorney spirit which keeps its eye on the bond only, and lo, this was it, and they have attorneyed it in its turn. Vanish then, thou rat-eyed incarnation of attorneyism, who at bottom wert but as other attorneys and two hungry sons of Adam. Juryman Vallat had striven hard for life and published from his prison an ingenious book not unknown to us, but it would not stead. He also had to vanish, and this his book of the secret causes of Thermidor, full of lies with particles of truth in it undiscoverable otherwise, is all that remains of him. Revolutionary Tribunal has done, but vengeance has not done. Representative Le Bon, after long struggling, is handed over to the ordinary law courts, and by them guillotined. Nay, at Lyon and elsewhere, resuscitated moderatism in its vengeance will not wait the slow process of law, but bursts into the prisons, sets fire to the prisons, burns some three-score imprisoned Jacobins to dire death, or chokes them with the smoke of straw. There go vengeful, truculent companies of Jesus, companies of the sun, slaying Jacobinism wherever they meet with it flinging it into the Rhone stream, which once more bears seaward a horrid cargo. Whereupon, at Toulon, Jacobinism rises in revolt, and is like to hang the national representatives. With such action and reaction, is not a poor national convention hard bested? It is like the settlement of winds and waters, of seas long tornado-beaten, and goes on with jumble and with jangle, now flung aloft, now sunk in trough of the sea, your vessel of the Republic has need of all pilotage and more. What Parliament that ever sat under the moon had such a series of destinies as this National Convention of France? It came together to make the Constitution, 
and instead of that it has had to make nothing but destruction and confusion, to burn up Catholicisms, aristocratisms, to worship reason and dig salt Peter, to fight titanically with itself and with the whole world. A convention decimated by the guillotine, above the tenth man has bowed his neck to the axe, which has seen Carmagnols danced before it, and patriotic strophes sung amid church spoils, the wounded of the 10th of August defile in hand-barrows, and in the pandemonial midnight, Egalite's dams of tricolour drink lemonade, and spectrum of C.A. mount saying, Death sans phrase. A convention which has effervesced and which has congealed, which has been red with rage and also pale with rage, sitting with pistols in its pocket, drawing sword in a moment of effervescence, now storming to the four winds through a Danton voice, Awake, O France, and smite the tyrants, now frozen mute under its Robespierre, and answering his dirge voice by a dubious gasp, assassinated, decimated, stabbed at, shot at, in baths, on streets and staircases, which has been the nucleus of chaos, has it not heard the chimes at midnight? It has deliberated, beset by a hundred thousand armed men with artillery furnaces and provision carts. It has been betoxened, bestormed, overflooded by black deluges of sanscalotism, and has heard the shrill cry, Bread and soap! Or, as we say, it's the nucleus of chaos. It sat as the centre of sanscalotism and had spread its pavilion on the waist deep where is neither path nor landmark, neither bottom nor shore. In intrinsic valour, ingenuity, fidelity and general force and manhood, it has perhaps not far surpassed the average of parliaments, but in frankness of purpose, in singularity of position, it seeks its fellow. One other sanscalotic submersion, or at most two, and this wearied vessel of a convention reaches land. Revolt of Germinal Twelfth ended as a vain cry. Moribund Sanscalotism was swept back into invisibility. There it has lain moaning these six weeks, moaning and also scheming. Jacobins disarmed, flung forth from their tribune in mid-air, must needs try to help themselves in secret conclave underground. Lo, therefore, on the first day of the month prairial, 20th of May, 1795, sound of the general once more, beating sharp, rantan, to arms, to arms. Since galotism has risen yet again from its death lair, waste wild flowing as the unfruitful sea. Saint Antoine is afoot, bred in the constitution of 93, so sounds it, so stands it written with chalk on the hats of men. They have their pikes, their firelocks, paper of grievances, standards, printed proclamation, drawn up in quite official manner, considering this and also considering that they, a much enduring sovereign people, are in insurrection, will have bread in the constitution of 93. And so the barriers are seized, and the general beats, and the toxins discourse discord. Black deluges overflow the Tuileries. Spite of centuries, the sanctuary itself is invaded. Enter to our order of the day a torrent of dishevelled women wailing, Bread! Bread! 
President may well cover himself and have his own toxin rung in the pavilion of unity. The ship of the state again labours and leaks, overwashed near to swamping with unfruitful brine. What a day once more. Women are driven out, men storm irresistibly in, choke all corridors, thunder at all gates. Deputies putting forth head, obtest, conjure. Saint Antoine rages, bread and constitution. Report has risen that the convention is assassinating the women, crushing and rushing, clangor and furor. The oak doors have become as oak tambourines sounding under the axe of Saint Antoine. Plasterwork crackles, woodwork booms and jingles, doors start up, bursts in Saint Antoine with frenzy and vociferation. Rag standards, printed proclamation, drum music, astonishment to eye and ear. Gendarmes, loyal sectioners, charge through the other door. They are recharged, musketry exploding. Saint Antoine cannot be expelled. Obtesting deputies obtest vainly. Respect the president, approach not the president. Deputy Pharaoh stretching out his hands, bearing his bosom scarred in the Spanish wars, obtests vainly, threatens and resists vainly. Rebellious deputy of the sovereign, if thou have fought, have not we too? We have no bread, no constitution. They wrench poor Pharaoh, they tumble him, trample him, wrath waxing to see itself work. They drag him into the corridor, dead or near it, sever his head and fix it on a pike. Ah, did an unexampled convention want this variety of destiny too, then? Pharaoh's bloody head goes on a pike. Such a game has begun. Paris and the earth may wait how it will end. And so it billows free through all corridors, within and without, far as the eye reaches, nothing but bedlam and the great deep broken loose. President Boissy Danglars sits like a rock. The rest of the convention is floated to the upper benches, sectioners and gendarmes still ranking there to form a kind of wall for them. And insurrection rages, rolls its drums, will read its paper of grievances, will have this decreed, will have that. Covered sits President Boissy, unyielding like a rock in the beating of seas. They menace him, level muskets at him. He yields not. They hold up Pharaoh's bloody head to him. With grave, stern air he bows to it and yields not. And the paper of grievances cannot get itself read for uproar and the drums roll and the throats bawl and insurrection like sphere music is inaudible for very noise. Decree us this, decree us that. One man we discern bawling for the space of an hour at all intervals. Je demande l'arrestation des coquins et des lâches. Really, one of the most comprehensive petitions ever put up, which indeed to this hour includes all that you can reasonably ask, constitution of the year one, rotten borough, ballot box, or other miraculous political arc of the covenant to do for you to the end of the world. I also demand arrestment of the knaves and dastards and nothing more whatever. National representation, deluged with black sense colotism, glides out for help elsewhere, for safety elsewhere. Here is no help. About four in the afternoon, there remain hardly more than some sixty members, mere friends or even secret leaders, a remnant of the mountain crest, 
held in silence by Thermidorian thraldom. Now is the time for them, now or never let them descend and speak. They descend, these sixty, invited by Sanscolotism. Rom of the new calendar, rule of the sacred file, Goujon, Dusconoy, Subrani and the rest. Glad Sanscolotism forms a ring for them, Rom takes the president's chair. They begin resolving and decreeing. Fast enough now comes decree after decree in alternate brief strains or strophe and antistrophe. What will cheapen bread? What will awaken the dormant lion? And at every new decree, Sanscolotism shouts, decreed, decreed, and rolls its drums. Fast enough, the work of months in hours, when see, a figure enters, whom in the lamplight we recognise to be Legendre, and utters words fit to be hissed out. And then see, section Le Pelletier or other Muscadan section enters, and guilt youth with levelled bayonets, countenances screwed to the sticking place. Tramp, tramp, with bayonets gleaming in the lamplight. What can one do, worn down with long riot, grown heartless, dark, hungry, but roll back, but rush back, and escape who can? The very windows need to be thrown up, that sanscolotism may escape fast enough. Money changer sections and guilt youth sweep them forth with steel besom far into the depths of Saint Antoine. Triumph once more. The decrees of that sixty are not so much as rescinded, they are declared null and non-extant. Rom, Rule, Goujon and the ringleaders, some thirteen in all, are decreed accused. Permanent session ends at three in the morning. Sanscolotism, once more flung resupine, lies sprawling sprawling its last. Such was the first of Prairial, 20th of May, 1795. Second and third of Prairial, during which Sanscolotism still sprawled and unexpectedly rang its toxin and assembled in arms, availed Sanscolotism nothing. What though, with our roms and rules, accused but not yet arrested, we make a new true national convention of our own over in the East, and put the others out of law? What though we rank in arms and march, armed force and musket in section, some thirty thousand men, environ that old false convention? We can but bully one another, banding nicknames, muscadins against blood-drinkers, buveurs de sang. Pharaoh's assassin, taken with the red hand and sentenced, and now near to guillotine and plus the grave, is retaken, is carried back into Saint Antoine to no purpose. Convention sectionaries and guilt youth come, according to decree, to seek him, nay, to disarm Saint Antoine. And they do disarm it, by rolling of cannon, by springing upon enemies' cannon, by military audacity and terror of the law. Saint Antoine surrenders its arms, Santerre even advising it, anxious for life and brew house. Pharaoh's assassin flings himself from a high roof, and all is lost. Discerning which things, old Rule shot a pistol through his old white head, dashed his life in pieces as he had done the sacred file of Rheims. Rom, Goujon, and the others stand ranked before a swiftly appointed, swift military tribunal. Hearing the sentence, Goujon drew a knife, struck it into his breast, passed it to his neighbour Rom, and fell dead. Rom did the like, 
and another all but did it, Roman death rushing on there as an electric chain before your bailiffs could intervene. The guillotine had the rest. They were the ultimi Romanorum. B.O., Collo and company are now ordered to be tried for life, but are found to be already off, shipped for Sinamari and the hot mud of Suriname. There let B.O. surround himself with flocks of tame parrots. Collo take the yellow fever, and drinking a whole bottle of brandy, burn up his entrails. Sanscalotism sprawls no more. The dormant lion has become a dead one. And now, as we see... Any hoof may smite him. End of Book 7, Chapter 5